Who the bloody hell's that? Should indeed. You're listening to the Corona Diaries, a sometimes random and often irreverent attempt to understand the psyche of singer Steve Hogarth. Hello and welcome to Chapter 71 of the Corona Diaries, brought to you by Proper Yorkshire Internet. <laughs> How are you, Mr H? I'm fine, although although I am brought to you by um, by rubbish South Midlands Internet. That, that, that's, that's the fella. I've got an itchy nose as well. And it's, Have you? It's not, you know, rock and roll related. I've just woken up with it. Is that not a sign of something? Does that mean the first the first snow of winter's on the way, or yeah, or I'm lying or something? Yeah, right. which which is not true in either case. Right. Okay. Um. It's it's Bank Holiday Monday. Mm. We're we're hard hard at it. Bank Holiday Mon- uh, Monday, are we, folks. Are we on time and a half? Uh, I don't. I don't Probably know. Not. I don't know. I'll, I'll I'll slip it in on my invoice. See if it gets paid. <laughs> I'll talk to the, the department. Okay, have a word with the department. Um, though I'm, I'm thinking that somebody who mentions every single time he's overcharged for a coffee or a phone call in the hotel will probably notice it. Um, Tightest band in the world, Marillion. Indeed, indeed, indeed. Always let the drummer manage the money. Um, so, yeah, we're working on a bank holiday. We should. We should. We we should be it's Bank Holiday Monday in August. We should be walking down the prom at Scarborough. Boots in front of us. Yes, yes. Try, trying to wrestle boots off the face of all the other dogs. Yes. Yeah, yeah. He could maul half of Middlesbrough walking down on the Scarborough the seafront on a, on a Bank Holiday Monday. <laughs> That's a title for the episode. <laughs> I think we have, I think we have to go for that, aren't we? <laughs> Which actually, where did you used to go on holiday as a kid? Because um, you were Don, Donnie, so mm, it should have been the East Coast. It was it? the East Coast. Um, if if we were feeling a bit, you know, what's the word, low rent, which we often right. were, um, it would be Cleethorpes. Oh, right, okay. Uh, sometimes it was Mablethorpe. I once right. saved my sister's life in Mablethorpe because there was a... There was a thing, like a sort of a, a jetty thing, um, but it was um, it was a sort of land drain where the, wa- the water came uh, down the beach on this sort of little la- little drain that was to come from a stream. It wasn't like a river; it was it was much smaller than that. But it was a sort of a drain that went out into the sea. But it. At low tide, it didn't go out into the sea. It just sort of trickled out onto the beach and then sort of slowly made its way. And um, because it had been like that forever, at the very end of it, there was a big hollow in the sand. And then the the tide would come in. And when the tide had just got past it, it was, uh, you know, the classic sort of Vicar of Dibley situation where where the kids would be paddling and happily tiddling along ankle deep and and then they'd vanish into this <laughs> hole uh, 
and I was paddling uh, on the beach and I just happened, messing about like kids do, and I just happened to look up and see my sister's blue face coming up probably for the last time um, in this, you know, in this, in this hole. And I started shouting and screaming. The beach was packed with people. Nobody did anything, you know, nobody even got up. So I went herring into the water and dragged her up, dragged her out. I could barely swim myself mm-hmm. and uh, managed to sort of scrabble to the end of this jetty, which was all covered in barnacles. So I got all kind of cut, cut and scraped. Mm. Um, and eventually somebody sort of ambled across with that, you know, uh, with all the time in the world and sort of fished us out. But uh, if I hadn't seen her, she would have drowned. She was actually drowning as uh, as I, by pure chance, just happened to look around and, and clock her, you know. I fa- I, I'm sorry because I found myself laughing at the beginning of that story because of your, your Vicar of Dibley thing. I mean, it's, it's quite <laughs> yeah, serious, but you've, it you've was told me. <laughs> you delivered it in a slightly comic way. <laughs> it was uh, a which, long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> when she's still here, isn't she? Which, which, which one was it? It was our Jill. Your Jill. And, this time. and the other thing there that uh, Mabel thought was they had the. Who were they? Well, I think, were they the Richard and Judy? I think they were the Richard and Judy show. Uh, there was a little theatre on the front and they used to have the Richard and Judy show and the, the, these were two old sort of old fella called Richard and Al, probably probably young enough to be his daughter, glamorous assistant Judy. Mm, right. uh, and they used to do um, this show for the kids every afternoon, which was a must-see, so we always used to go in there, see Richard and Judy, and they used to give cans of Coca-Cola away, which was... A big plus, mm. and um, which always tasted better than the Coca Cola in the shops, but that must have mm. been psychological. Um, and on one of those occasions, our Jill vanished, and we lost her for the whole afternoon. And my my mum and dad were absolutely beside themselves, thinking she was either in the sea drowned mm. or nicked. By some, you know, Jimmy Savile sort of character. Or, or Richard, who'd been grooming these kids for years. <laughs> Maybe, yes, he was in a room full of Coca-Cola. <laughs> um, anyway, um, we got her back in the end, but it, it was it was all afternoon. She'd just wandered off and I think the cops had got her in the end, you know, the police returned her. So wow. uh, our Jill was a bit bit of, you know, a job of work. <laughs> On holidays, um, but yeah, Mablethorpe was was slightly upmarket from Cleethorpes in those days, and then um, we once went to Umberston. Umberston, there's a kind of proper. If ever a place was named for a Yorkshire accent, it <laughs> was Umberston. And we went there and we stayed in a chalet and there was rabbits under the chalet. And I was really allergic to rabbits and I damn nearly died. I couldn't breathe. I'd go, you know, raging, <laughs> raging asthma. 
You see, all these stories are very funny and yet quite tragic. <laughs> yeah. And it, it, it reinforces, because we've talked about this in the past, you just don't do holidays, do you? And it was happening from an early age. Oh, I once got dreadful sunburn in Mablethorpe as well. And my tops <laughs> I mean, of my... You get dreadful sunburn in Mablethorpe. <laughs> I did. Tops of my legs came up like bloody balloon, water balloons. Oh, it's so painful. No, you're right. The Lord has been trying to tell me something my entire young and adult life about holidays. Unfortunately, although I do listen, the people I live with won't and always drag me off on them. Oh, I don't know. I mean, the letter just nipped off to Denmark without you. Maybe, maybe the pennies dropped. Yeah, I think it might have dropped a little bit. I think yeah. she's realised that she'll have more fun if I'm not there. <laughs> 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 and it's not like Boots is in any danger if she leaves him behind. It leaves him behind. And I'll have more fun if I'm not there as well. So it's a win-win. So you didn't do you didn't do Scarborough or Brid? Yes. Or... Well, I was working up to that, but oh, uh, were you? Oh, right. Yeah. Hang on a minute. I didn't realise yeah, there's, there's, a whole, still a... there's a whole podcast in the East Coast. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, yes, we went to Brid occasionally. Uh, not so often, because I think that was a bit more of a drive. And then uh, when I was 17 or 18, I went I went off with my sort of school pals and we all stayed in a caravan. In a, I mean, a, when I say caravan, it was like yeah. the, the caravan, the kind of caravan that uh, they destroy in Top Gear. You know, one of those really small, awful ones that really has no right to exist. Uh, we stayed in. We stayed in one of those, um, and um, yeah, all I can remember is it took us the first four days to work out how to turn the gas on. You know, so we we were living on crisps up to that point. The gas bottles in the front. <laughs> It was outside somewhere. Was it? I don't know where the hell it was. That was part of the problem. It sounds like that episode of the Inbetweeners, if you went with a load of mates in a caravan. All I remember was Jimmy Corrigan's. Uh, I don't know if that's still there. The the amusement amusement arcade. And I was was a man who used to do the announcements and all I could hear all day was, ah, on the green line. On the green line. I think he was like some kind of bingo caller and you just say, ah, on the green line. Oh, and it's a green line. I think you got a special prize if you got the green line. And that that still echoes around in my head. Uh, from I think that still goes on. I just don't think Corrigan's is there, but I still okay. think you get that. You get, at the, at, you get that, that part of Scarborough. Yeah, that's the that's the South Bay, isn't it? As the it's amusement. the South Bay. Yeah, the North Bay's become the slightly posher one with the beach chalets and the. It was you know, even the, back then. That was the, mm. you know, if you're young, then that was the the more boring one. Well, that was the P Zone Park end, wasn't it? Oh, P Zone Park. I'd Did you go to that. the Naval Warfare at P Zone Park? I think I might have done. You know, yeah. The Naval that was the thing Warfare. back in the day because these these boats moved. Yes, and they and the, and the planes came in and yeah. the, there was explosions on, on the water like, on the yeah. string. <laughs> Blimey! Yeah, that's brought yeah. that. But I haven't given that a thought in fifty years. It's still going. And um. the other thing at the South End was the chairlift. There used to be a chairlift. At, not the south and the north end, that chairlift in the in the posh part. Oh, was there? And the, there's a chairlift was still there. What's there's a chair, an open-air what, theatre there what's now. What's a chairlift? What's a chairlift? Yeah. It's one of those things that, you, you know, like skiing. 
So you two of oh, you sit I side see. by side on a. And you went up the. And you went up there. Because it was quite a steep. Diddly quite a steep hill. And the castle yeah. was on the top, wasn't it? The old. Your castle was on the top, yeah. Probably yeah. still is. And one of the Brontes is buried up there. Good God. Uh, yes, Another potential there, name for this episode. Yes, one of the Brontes is buried up there. Yeah. Yes, along with a number of TCD <laughs> chapters. They don't um, normally bury people up there, do they? <laughs> they no, tend no, to bury no, them down there. Down there. Right? No, no, she, no she's, she's definitely buried <laughs> up there. Buried up there. That's the episode yes. title then. Buried up there. <laughs> um, but but so we, we're not wandering around on Scarborough Seafront for the bank holiday, but you've got... As you as you put it when we first came on, you've got the village idiots cricket match today. <laughs> I have. Oh God. Yeah, I get roped into it. I don't really want to do it because it's just a lot of standing about all day, and um, I always get injured. Somebody always fires a projectile at me at great speed mm. that I fail to get out of the way of. Which is sort of my idea of what cricket is. It's a well, pro- that is cricket. <laughs> it's projectile <laughs> coming out at great speed. That is that cricket. You can't quite get out of the way of. <laughs> Try as you might. Yeah, unless um, you're bowling, that's cricket. <laughs> I will. Ab- I do bowling, and then right. and then I wrench my shoulder so badly I can't sleep for six months on that side. So th- there's a hell of a legacy from this from today that I'm already anticipating. It'll probably involve an ambulance in six months of, of, of sleepless nights. <laughs> so you don't look forward to the August Bank Holiday weekend then? <clears throat> no, but I... No. Well, you, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. No. There we are, no. Right, OK, well, next year, when it comes round, say you're not available for the cricket and we'll, we'll, we'll go to Scarborough I get, or Filey or somewhere and do that again. instead. I'm going to Filey next Saturday. Oh, your file is beautiful. Honestly, I'm going to file in exactly because my Wait. niece, Amy, is having a little sort of marriage ceremony on the beach. Oh, that'll, um, that'll be lovely. You know, a kind of... I mean, obviously she's been... Uh, she's got kids and been living with him for yonks and yonks, but they're having a little ceremony, I think. Um, sort of... They couldn't go to Vegas, so they're going to Filey. Um <laughs> Well, I, I we, could dress up as Elvis and marry him. But you ought to. Yeah, I've got a you gold suit. Yeah. Uh-huh. We had our honeymoon at Filey. Did you? Yeah, because when we got married, we decided we didn't want to have a big honeymoon straight after the wedding because we thought, well, we'll lose the first three or four days because we'll be exhausted. And we wanted to go to the US and we planned quite a full-on trip to the US. So we went to the US for our first anniversary and we, we had four or five days in a, in a very nice hotel called the Downcliffe House Hotel on the front of Filey. That sounded like you were frantically shagging. We'll lose the first three or four days because we'll be exhausted. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Is that not... No. We can edit, no, married, we can no, edit married this had already kicked. Married life had already kicked in. <laughs> Literally so, moments after we got married. So oh, I don't remember any of that. Right, that was the end of your sex life. <laughs> Do absolutely. you take this woman... Terminate your sex life today. <laughs> I do. <laughs> and do you take this man <laughs> to ignore him and spend much more time with your girlfriends? I do. Yeah. Yeah, exactly that. Exactly <laughs> how you put it. I'm we'll, sure we'll, that's how it we'll edit all that out. Oh, no, you can leave it in. <laughs> Alison doesn't listen. There's, 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 it's like the letter. Neither of them listens. Oh, she won't listen anymore if she is this one. Uh, no, she, no, she doesn't. Sorry, Alison. No, we'll, we don't we'll insult we'll, you every episode. 
Um, we'll enjoy Fire. You'll love it. Have a have a cup of tea at the tea bar at the end of the at the end of the prom. There's a little thing called the tea bar right. near the uh, near the lifeboat. Have a cup of tea there and a Kit Kat. Okay, that's nailed on. They'll do you a mug of tea and they'll do you a Kit Kat, and it's uh, it's very nice. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, back to the episode. Um, you, the Croomcasts have started to get there's some momentum they've got, about no, the Croomcast album. They've got completely out of hand, haven't they? And, and it's not me. I need to. Put, I'm not even encouraging this. I need to put four days aside for these Croomcasts. <laughs> oh shit! Who's that phoning? Let me see. Oh, it's. I'll be Lynette's dad. It is. It's Denmark. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, see, every time. I do hope she answers it because if she doesn't, he'll phone again in four seconds. I will. She's obviously back then. She's back, yes. She's right. back and on the phone. She's oh, either Denmark. in Denmark in real life or on the phone to it. <laughs> there, there are two states. So the Croomcasts, there's calls for an album. I now. know, I've heard there's... that. <laughs> what a dull record that's going to be. <laughs> The, the Lou Reed was pretty special. I've put a lot of heart and soul into that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The do do doos were great. I made everybody wait for them because I could imagine yeah. everybody going, What's the do to doos? He's not going to do them, is he? So I put it. Oh, you did them. Uh, I made them wait. In some start with some aplomb. <laughs> Um, so we'll have to keep badging you about the Croomcast, but you, you've, you've created a bit of a rod for your own back there now. <laughs> Uh, and at this point, I am officially on the record saying this has got nothing to do with me. Well, maybe at this point, I should I should try and manage the expectations of crude cast going forward because I'm not going to be able right. to spend that much time on all of them, <laughs> or I won't have time to do anything else. Uh, you can see interviews down the line, people sort of saying to saying to Peter or Mark. So why was the album delayed six months? <laughs> ah, well, you see, we we lost H. He was doing the Beethoven's Fifth crude cast. <laughs> <laughs> we had a few vocal overdubs to do, but but H was out for six weeks. He was in a symphony hall conducting. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He was trying to recreate, right, said Fred. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we'll keep an eye on the crew cast. Yeah. The other thing we should say is, what what a gem Dave Megan is. Oh, yeah, beautiful. Beautiful man. Well, what I'm going to do now is I'm quickly going to share something on screen with you, which obviously uh, is wonderfully no eccentric as well. Oh, oh, f- uh, fantastically eccentric. <laughs> Fant- just yes, um, and didn't mind when both you and a little bit of me tried to do an impression of him while we were talking. Oh yes, 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 yes. Oh no, was, no, no, was, no, no, no. He was quite fine with that, <laughs> which I was, uh, you know. I I might need you this evening. Come back at tea time. Well, I'm going to share something with you now. So, so it should appear on your screen. He found that CD that he talked about, which had the um, the version of Circular Ride on it. All right. Uh, and and it's quite a list. So, um, obviously, you can't see this at home, but there's a, there's, there's a version of Don't Hurt Yourself. Right. Um, you're gone with a new middle. Right, look at that. Angelina, mm. Circular Ride in C this time. Okay. Fantastic Place, Faith, uh, State of Mind Plan A, State of Mind Plan B, and then something which I love that was called Huge Idea. Mm. And, and Huge Idea has a tribal pop version, <laughs> and I'm intrigued as to know what tribal pop is. I'm and wondering a variety if that's hope for the future, you know. 
could be. Well, no, because Hope for the Future had gone at this point. This is post... Um, All right. This is this is post-anarachnophobia. So this is the stuff that was floating around but didn't make it onto anarachnophobia. So it clearly made it onto um, a lot of it onto marbles. Because wow. you're gone, Angelina uh, made it onto marbles. Don't Hurt Yourself obviously was on marbles, wasn't it? Um, Fantastic yep. Place was on marbles. Yeah. Um, state of mind ended up being on happiness, didn't it? Yeah, I think it did. So it makes me wonder whether huge idea could have been Ocean Cloud, could have been Invisible Man, could have been Neverland. Mm. Could have been Neverland, A flat G minor, A flat G minor C-sus version, or there's a C sus four. Verse version. So VS must be verse. So A flat, A flat G minor verse version. C sus four verse version. E flat minor, A flat minor bit. Original chords only version. That might have been Neverland. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? Well, Dave's. I think Dave is going to rip a copy or or, or digitize digitize it. Ooh. So it might be that we'll get a chance to hear a bit of it. Okie dokie. Uh, and then you can recreate it for the Croomcast. <laughs> the huge idea. <laughs> the huge idea. Croomcast. The huge idea. Chapter 73. The Croomcast only version. <laughs> anyway, so so thanks today for coming up with that, which is brilliant. I'll send that, I'll flip it across so you can have a look at that, that copy and we'll see if he comes back with with anything we can listen to in past comments. Right. Um Scott Myers, because um, we talked about, I talked a little bit about um, Map of the World being obviously an obvious single, and he came back and said, well, he thought Rich and Deserve from .com sounded like singles. I agree with you, Scott. I meant more in that kind of beautiful sort of pop ballad type thing, you know, that absolute that absolute nailed-on kind of radio-friendly thing. So I, I agree. I always thought Rich sounded very singly as well in terms of its format, but I meant more like the beautiful kind of um, no-one-can kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and one last thing, um, a mate of mine, the Jason, who I do this other podcast with called 942, which is a guitar-based podcast, he's, he, he got sent a gift this week. Mm. Sontronics sent him a microphone oh. because he was an influencer. Oh. So I think we ought to say to everybody, we've not been sent gifts yet. Yeah, send me a gift. But we are open to them. <laughs> Only if they're any good. Yeah. So any mic companies or any tech companies or anybody that's got things that, that you know, we, you know, we, 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 we're not too proud. No, nice, nice Valve EQ would be lovely if anybody's yeah. out there. <laughs> nice, nice bit of swag. Anything you've much. got. Perfect. Right. Anyway, on to, on to this week's kind of episode. So um, we didn't get much chance to, to talk about the diary last week, though um, the show that you couldn't remember... I, um, because you, if you remember, you did the London one, and you, you got so far. You were talking about Kensington Market, and then you said, "I couldn't remember anything yeah, else." So, just... so I didn't, I didn't write anything else down. Well, that was at Shepherd's Bush Empire oh, that right. show, and I was there. Wow! I so was at one, that show once again. You missed a name check. I missed a name check. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it was good old. show as well. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Never been to Shepherd's Bush Empire before. Is that still there? I don't know. There was a very nice man on the door who always used to say, hello, oh, Steve, how are you doing? As though I'd been in and out of there all my life. Mm-hmm. Um, that was nice. It was always nice at Shepherd's Wish Empire, but the the sound at centre stage was horrible. Um, mm. And, I, you know, that took quite a bit of 
attitude adjustment to cope with that. Um, it was usually fine out front. But it never sounded great where I was standing. I was it a bit of an apron there. stage? I've got it in my head that it, it came out a little bit. Yeah, I, I think it was a... And it was a proscenium arch, which oh, which is great for theatre, but yeah. for rock and roll it always traps the sound in, you know, yeah. in the top, which fires its mm. way back down. It sounds like hell in a bin. Um, you know, it's much harder to get... a decent sound on stage for a rock band when it's a proscenium arch. Yeah, and we were quite high up, and I remember the sound being really... I remember really enjoying the show. The sound was good, thought the show was great, um, you know, and it was the only time I think I saw you on that tour because um, we were living in London at the time. Um, I also remember, as I mentioned before, you were just in black jeans and a black T-shirt and your beads. Right. Looking quite ripped, actually. Oh yeah, looking like you'd, you'd you'd been working out and a bit of a bit of you know no. a bit of upper body muscle. That couldn't have happened. Um, no, it's probably just it must have been a long way from the stage. I probably stopped eating for a while, so you know all the fat had gone. And well, you were living on beer and ibuprofen, <laughs> as you said last week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're clearly on banned substances <laughs> at that point. Yeah, in both in both <laughs> in senses. Both senses. Of phrase, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> All right. Well, anyway, so um, so what we'll do now is we go, we'll go, go to the first bit of diary, uh, which is Monday the second and Wednesday the fourth of October, which is um, you finishing off in Hamburg, and then Wednesday is is Paris because you're playing the Zenith, um, and that was the last bit of diary that you wrote from that section of the European tour because the next bit we'll do a bit towards the end of the episode is the first bit from the Eastern European tour. So let's jump in and do that. I've got a few questions after that, and then we'll uh, we'll set up for next week's epic diary reading with that single day from Friday the 17th. So I'll leave it with you then for a bit of diary. Okay. All right. The one thing I do remember about Shepherd's Bush Empire gig was going up the alley to the backstage door, and there was a couple of guys there, and they're, oh, you're all right, Steve, we're big fans. Oh, okay. Uh, where are you from? And they said, Venezuela. And I said, oh, really? What are you doing in London? They said, oh, we came here to see you. <laughs> and I remember thinking, bloody Nora, that's serious. That's proper. That's proper. Who the hell? I've never been to Venezuela to see anybody. No. Um, and then back again. Um, no. I think, I don't know what that would take. And being from Venezuela, they weren't there to do a bit of business as well while... No, I don't think. I think they were, you know, they just Gen- flown, genuine fans. They'd flown in for the show and they were off right. off home afterwards. Not not brought a, a bag of goodies for the band then. Well, Venezuela's not so much of a. That's more Colombia, really. That, oh that's right, okay. The, um, but it's that neck of the woods. Isn't it, it is that neck of the woods. Venezuela's got a lot worse though since then. I mean, it was you know, it's, it, I don't know what happened to Venezuela now. There's been a total collapse of the economy and. Mm. And the and politics and everything, and I think a lot of people just left. You know, anyone who could afford to get out got out. Got out. It's a shame because Santiago. Uh, I mean, the coast. The coast is beautiful. I mean, it's the Caribbean coast. The rainforest's amazing. Um, so that's very sad. But mm. um, but I do remember that's. My one enduring memory of Shepherd's Bush Empire was bumping into the Venezuelans in the alley. Mm. Anyway, here comes... And the Venezuelans in the alley could also be an episode. (laughs) 
Here comes the diary now. Monday, 2nd of October. Hamburg. Day off. Got up around 12, showered and went downstairs. Paul had called to say that Sylvia would arrive at 12.30 to buy me lunch and then take me to a clinic that specialises in massage and acupuncture. I checked out of my room and had a coffee with Stephen Ian in the bar before leaving with Sylvia. She took me to a restaurant which seemed vaguely familiar. She told me that this place used to be Uncle Poe, the club that Europeans played when I came to Hamburg for the first time. She was here too, in her capacity as CBS product manager for the band. We were both a lot younger in those days. Uncle Poe, by the way, gets a mention in the opening line of the Tom Robinson stroke Peter Gabriel song, Atmospherics. I ate steak and salad while we caught up on one another's life stories before she took me round the corner to the clinic. The doctors spoke little English, so Sylvia hung around to explain to them what my problem was and then left us to it. First of all, I was stripped off. Then the masseur, Sammy Gorey, wrapped me up in what looked like very large tea bags. This is called a moor bath and the bags contain some kind of hot mud or volcanic soil or some such. I was wrapped up like Tutankhamun in the bags and in blankets and left alone to sweat, unable to move for half an hour. I drifted in and out of sleep in the white room, getting hotter and hotter. The whole experience seemed more and more like a dream as consciousness came and went. I could hear voices speaking German down the corridor, like some surreal thriller movie. Sammy returned and removed the blankets, washing off the moor deposits and feeling at my muscles, while muttering, ah, sehr gut, mm, gut. He then left the room and returned with what looked like a ballpoint pen. This was, in fact, some form of electric shock generator a bit like those things they have for lighting gas cookers, which he explained was magnetotherapy. He pressed it against the soles of my feet while flicking the trigger. It felt like a staple gun. He worked his way up the backs of my legs, my back and into my neck before turning me over and doing the front of me. After that, it was massage time. He thoroughly worked at my neck and shoulders while giving me a brief resume of his client list. I only recognised Jill Sander, the fashion designer, among the German glitterati of stars and royalty he proudly mentioned. After the massage, I was already feeling a bit better. He said I could now dress from the waist down and he took me along the corridor to the acupuncturist, whose name I can't remember. He inserted fine needles along the length of my arm from my shoulder down to my inner wrist, along with a couple in my left leg and ankle. There was a large diagram of acupuncture points on the wall next to me. I couldn't help noticing one midway between the scrotum and the anus. Fortunately, I was wearing my trousers, so I was spared. The acupuncturist returned every ten minutes to adjust the needles sticking out of me. I felt like a bull in a bullring. 
What a way to spend the afternoon. I emerged at around five, feeling considerably better. It really works. I wasn't hurting for the first time in over two weeks. Sylvia picked me up and took me across the road to the Virgin office, where I was introduced to her assistant, Uli, and given coffee while she finished her phone calls for the day. We went back down to the river for a beer, and I watched the big ships sailing by as the downtown lights hummed around my head. By now it was 7pm and time for our bus driver to leave for Paris. I thanked Sylvia for all her help and vowed to keep in touch before boarding the bus. Paul cracked open a bottle of red and we all assisted him in drinking it while watching Absolutely Fabulous on TV in the back lounge of the bus. After that, we loaded a video, a movie called A Single White Female, American derivative plot halfway between Fatal Attraction, Basic Instinct and The Mary Tyler Moore Show. Got bored, went to bed, woke up outside the Libertel Terminus Nord opposite the Gare du Nord in Paris. Yeah. Wednesday, 4th of October. Paris, Le Zenit. Dizzy and I enjoyed our first lie-in together since either of us can remember. Once you have children, forget it. We got up around 12.30 and set out to have breakfast in Montmartre, ordered a cab and waited in reception. All the newspapers were reporting that O.J. Simpson was found not guilty yesterday. Maybe he isn't. Who knows? No one seems to believe it. A cab arrived and we discovered we were only a short walk from Montmartre anyway. We climbed out in front of Sacré-Cœur and walked round the corner to the square where the artists paint, La Place du Tertre. We sat outside a cafe, drinking coffee, whilst trying to adjust to being able to have an uninterrupted conversation. I ate croque, monsieur, as we tried to decide where we should live next. We've both missed our last place in Englefield Green and often wonder whether we might be happier there. We find village life too isolated, especially in the winter, and have often contemplated moving to Oxford. We came to the usual conclusion, give it a year and see how we're doing and what's possible. We took a walk around the square and were hounded by the street artists who prey quite shamelessly on the tourists. They don't take no for an answer and we were presented with matching paper silhouettes of ourselves which took 45 seconds to create and for which, after haggling, I was charged 50 francs, well over a fiver. We got out of there and stopped at another cafe by the steps for another coffee. It was three o'clock, so I had to be getting back to the hotel. Dizzy decided she'd rather see the Impressionist collection in the Musée d'Orsay than hang around at a Marillion soundcheck all afternoon, so we walked back to the hotel and I said I'd see her later. I told her not to talk to any other strange men. She told me she was followed all the way to the river by some rich-looking geezer in a suit. I'm told that French men prefer English women to their own. The band took the bus to Le Zenit and I wandered around the black backstage area of my favourite gig, soaking up the old ghosts and immediately certain that tonight would be a bit special. I wasn't wrong. Steve R had arranged for Barbara Leslie, who sang and talked on Cannibal Surf Babe, to come along with a view to her joining us on stage during the show. 
During the sound check, we worked out what she might do. We decided she should talk over the flutes before Beautiful and return later to get involved in Surf Babe. I'd imagine she could come on, scantily clad, and scream a little. She had other ideas, preferring to throw me to the ground and straddle me while singing into my face. Fair enough. We ran through it several times at soundcheck while the crew stared on aghast at her shapely form that was covered only in a leopard skin body stocking. Thank you, Barbara. There were a few interviews to do at the soundcheck. I was told by the first radio station that from their perspective there had been no promotion whatsoever by EMI for our new album. And we're back. And it's the first section of Diary this week and it's uh, a day in Hamburg and it's a day in Paris um, and you're going to be playing the Zenith. Um, Mm. But in Hamburg, you reunite with um, Sylvia or Sylvia Bell. She used to be called Sylvia Bayer and she was our product manager uh, at CBS for How We Live. And so... When when How We Live went to Germany, she'd turn up at various gigs and it was her job to just sort of represent the record label and blah, blah, blah. So, and, and I think she was a bit of a fan of How We Live, so she used to go that sort of extra mile for us. And she was always very, very nice and helped us out and if we needed anything, she'd sort it out. And then she married somebody called Bell and became Sylvia Bell. And then I think she moved to Hamburg... She worked for Rondor a bit then, I think. Could be wrong about that, but I think she did work for... She either worked for Rondor or she she just used to turn up whenever I was in Hamburg to see if you could help. Um, and I think she'd always really wanted to get into management. And then I think she did get into management in the end, uh, in more recent times. I still see her if I go to Hamburg. Uh, not every time, but she, she sometimes gives me a shout and we have lunch or something. Um, and on that occasion, she was running the Virgin Records office for Hamburg. So she was extremely well connected at that point. You know, she was representing um, Peter Gabriel and Blue Nile and everybody in Simple Minds, everybody who was on Virgin. Um, so she would just that that's how come I got to hear uh, hats before anybody else because she'd received a, a, an advanced copy to the office and she said Do you know what I've got an advanced copy of the Blue Nile album I went you you're lying and she said no I haven't I said oh well, let me have a listen let me have a listen let me have a listen so so we we sat and listened to it in her car uh, as I as I'd said in the in the diary and we were sat by the river and I was looking at the Elbe and it was a really foggy silvery morning and the huge boats were drifting by and uh, um, the downtown lights started up and I was just in a state of grace and I'll never mm. forget it so that was a that was a life experience uh, I've had a great many but that was that was on the list that, that might be a, one of those things that flashes before me at the end let's hope I die slowly well yeah the big <laughs> okay. it's gonna to have to be Steve Hogarth passed away peaceful after a long illness 
<laughs> he went quiet for six weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Kept grinning and then occasionally <laughs> screaming. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> so yes. Where that's were we? Sylvia. Sylvia Bell. I, oh, and at that point, uh, when we were on the Brave tour, and I got the bad, the bad arm. Um, she was at she was at Virgin then, and so you know she was used to kind of making things happen and sorting things out for for artists and. So our tour manager found her and said, you know, HZ Agony, is there anything, you know, do you know anybody? And so she sorted me out with this, the big tea bag and the acupuncture. Mm. Uh, and that was an experience. I was, she took, she picked me up and she took me off to this uh, clinic and they, uh, they said, oh, strip off down to your underwear. And in those days I used to wear underwear, so that was possible. And um, so, um, I'm there, and then they put me in this big bag, <laughs> like a tea bag, but huge, um, with this stuff inside it, and and wrapped me up like bloody toot and calm, and I couldn't move. I was totally, totally wrapped up from my shoulders down, just with my head sticking out the top. And then they said. Uh, and of course, they're speaking German. I had no idea. Oh, that's so good. You know, yeah, that is good. Wunderbar, zuba, zuba, duba. And I, while I was lying there, wondering what they were on about, and then a load of stuff I couldn't understand. And then they went, shut the door, and didn't come back for an hour. And an hour is a long time when you're just sitting, lying in a tea bag. Yeah. Well, it sounds like your own personal sauna. It was very like that, that because as time passed, there must have been some kind of chemical reaction going on in the tea bag because it got hotter and hotter and hotter. So it must have been some kind of mysterious mixture of stuff that reacts and gets warm. Like you were a, literally mashing, weren't like you? Like a compost heap. Um, yeah, I was mashing. That's You're exactly mashing. what I was doing in, yeah. the, in the name of the Lord. Indeed. Uh, and... <laughs> So I was in I'm that. I'm going to sing that now next time I make a pot of tea. <laughs> we march in. So uh, about Croom an cast, hour later. About, <laughs> about an hour later, um, somebody came back, much to my relief, because I was wondering how much hotter it was going to get. <laughs> yeah, you were stewing at that point. <laughs> I was microwaving. Um, so they came back. Uh, I can't remember what got me out of this. This tea, but I was a sweating mass by then. And then off into this other room, a little Chinese fella, and, and uh, stuck stuck needles all the way down my arm. Looked like a slalom course, my arm. <laughs> I got little visions of, little visions of fleas. Okay, wee, <laughs> Skiing wee, down? Yeah, in between them, yeah. Some form of Franz clamour. <laughs> Please Flea glamour. Please glamour. So they put all these little flags in my arm. How many legs do fleas have? How many skis must they have? I don't know. I don't know. Well, you just give them two because you can't ski with more than two. They'd have to sort of stand up straight, wouldn't they? 
Right. Okay. You couldn't be on six skis. There'd be, be <laughs> chaos. Not down your arm. Um, anyway, so it, they did all of that, and then every now and again they came. They came along and they, they uh, rotate them, don't they? they sort of tizzle them. They tizzle. I don't, I don't know. I've never. I've never been acupunctured. Acupuncture. It's a strange thing. Yeah. It's a strange. It's not painful. Weirdly, mm. you know, considering they're sticking needles in you. Um, but it is a very odd experience. It's a strange sensation you get because, you know, they do it along those energy lines. Mm. So you can stick a needle in one part of your body that is interfering with another one. You know, you get strange sensations in some other part of your body. Mm. Um, so they I think did... if somebody did that to me, I think if they stuck one in my left arm, I might punch them with my right. Yeah. <laughs> you stuck one in your bum, your glasses would fly off. <laughs> yeah. That sounds like a Morecambe and White sketch. <laughs> so they did that and then um, I did feel better after it. Did you, you, say, you did say in the diary yeah, how much I felt how noticeably much you felt. Uh, in less pain after it. But it only lasted a couple of days and then I was in agony again. <laughs> yeah. Because of looking, the mu- looking around for a big tea bag. Because of the mugging, which I never clo- you know, I'd never realised it was the muggings. So we then end up in, in Paris. <laughs> um at the Zenith. Yes. And my favourite gig um, in the world. Your favourite gig in the yeah. world. And the cannibal surf babe herself, mm. who we now know is called Barbara. Yes, Barbara. Uh, Babs to her friends. Um, but she, um, she, she, she made a guest appearance at that show. Yes, yes, she did. Um, I think it was something Rothers had organised. I think he was mates with Barbara because I think she was in a, either in a band or her boyfriend was in a band and Rothers knew him or something. I don't know what the story was. Um, um, so... Uh, he, when we were looking for, I had this idea. Um, during when we were recording Surf Babe, I'd got you know the fabulous brightly coloured birds flew up out of the forest and all of that, and the sun rose up over the mountain, the waves rolled in across the bay, and or that little bit of pointless narration I do in the middle. Um, I thought it'd be cool to have that in French, and. I think at that point Rothers said, oh, I know this girl, she's an actress, she'd do it. So we contacted her and she did, oh, le oiseau fabulous, blah, 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 and we were going to... You could put... almost throw a ho-he-haw in there, <laughs> <laughs> if you want. No regret, no regret. So... Uh, she did she did that and then we used it, didn't we? We had that strange backwards mm-hmm. and, and her saying that in French across it. And so when we went to Le Zenith, Steve said, Should I get Barbara in to do the you know, the the French narration in the middle of Surf Babe? I said, Yeah. Um thinking she'd just walk on and do it on mic. But she she walked on in character in a sort of uh leopard leopard print body stocking um 
looking like something from the Folie Berger. And um, as, I, as I said in the diary, wrestled me to the, the ground and sat, sat astride me saying these words into my face. So I think she'd sort of decided she would be the cannibal surf babe, although mm. that wasn't the brief. Mm. Um, and, but, you know, I went with it. I managed somehow to get through it. Yeah, well, you're, yeah, you're an old pro, aren't you? I'm an old pro and I'm, 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 I'm used to random acts of kindness from strangers. Yes, yes, and, and, and that is a random act of kindness. <laughs> Well, certainly uh, random. <laughs> <laughs> you had a couple of days of it back then. Um, we'll we'll nip to the second section of diary because I'm conscious we're getting tight on time. Um, that could so be we'll, another thing that goes by in those six weeks that I'm slowly passing away. To be honest, yeah, yeah. oh, you'll be seeing Barbara again. <laughs> you'll be seeing Barbara again. Um, we'll 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 start off because the. You, as I said before, you didn't do any more on that tour. You stopped writing stuff up after Paris, even though there are a few more dates. I was then in there's shock. a bit of a break. Yeah, and then you start again with with a bit of East Germany, and then uh, you know into into Poland. Um, mm. So we'll we'll kind of this big diary section that we're going to cover next week. We'll we'll give you a little bit of lead into that by doing the the day where you leave home and set off for Leipzig. Um, yes. Uh, well, it's not Leipzig. I think you end up somewhere first. Uh, no, oh, it is your right Leipzig. It's me. I've got no yeah, idea. I think so, you went straight there. Yeah, you went straight. Yeah, so we'll do Leipzig first um, and do that bit of diary. I'll have, I've got one or two questions after that and then we'll wrap it and then in prep for 72, which will be this big five-day epic. Mm. 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 So I'll let, I'll let you take us there. <sighs> Friday, 17th of November. Home, Leipzig. House, Ornsee. Rose at 7.30 to shower and be ready for the car at 8.15. I had more or less packed my things last night, anticipating the early start, and added the last few precautionary pullovers. Central Europe in November is going to be cold. Sophie appeared at 7.45. I wanted to see you before you go she said. Niall arrived soon after, looking tussled and clutching Rabbit, his nighttime companion. I showered while they watched TV. I couldn't have been blessed with lovelier children. Sue appeared in the kitchen at eight and answered the phone while I was still in the shower room. It was my driver. He was already in the village, outside the pub, and needed directions to the house. He said no one in the village seemed to know where I live. He must have been asking the few people that don't. At 8.15, I said goodbye. This time it's only for a few days and climbed into the back of the Mercedes. I forget the driver's name, but he was a nice chap. He chatted affably and non-intrusively during the trip to Heathrow, obviously a pro. We arrived in plenty of time at Terminal 2 and I made my way to the check-in desk where tour manager Paul Lewis and the rest of the band were already assembled. 
We checked in and went through passport control and security to the departure area. I bought a new recording Walkman at Duty Free. My other ones had it. Before I had to go to the gate, I spent the remaining 15 minutes trying on Oakley sunglasses at the Shades shop. I came within a whisker of buying some e-wire frames, balancing the desire to be fashionable and the unwillingness to be a fashion victim. I left my favourite sunspecs on a restaurant table in La Rochelle in the summer. In the end, I passed on the whole idea. It seems daft to buy sunglasses in November. I'll have lost them by Christmas. The Lufthansa flight to Leipzig was uneventful, apart from the stewardesses and the food, both of which seemed a cut above my recent recollections of BA. We're only travelling economy today. At Leipzig, we took cabs from the airport into the town, passing through flat countryside along tree-lined roads, slightly reminiscent of the journey from the airport to Gdansk in northern Poland. It seemed that on the journey between the airport and Leipzig, we passed by all the cranes in the world. There were construction sites in every direction I looked during the 20-minute drive to the Astoria Hotel. The lobby bore the old familiar Eastern Bloc smell of something halfway between damp cabbage and sewage. Strange. I checked in, wondering if every place to the east of Berlin bore a hint of this aroma and how that might be. We only had time to have a quick shift of our hotel rooms before leaving for soundcheck. My room was more than adequate, but the decor was most definitely typical of Eastern Bloc luxury. A bit like a high-rise flat in a suburb of London in the 60s, apart from the slightly gothic brass door handles. I decided to unpack only my toothbrush and take everything else to the show so that I could leave my suitcase with the crew tonight and not to have to worry about dragging it on and off the trains to Poland tomorrow. A momentous decision, as it turned out. We took cabs to the house Arnsee, a big hall next to a lake. It's always strange and pleasant to fly so far and to catch sight of Simon Lake's big silver truck as if it's been beamed round the world, Star Trek fashion, and, on this occasion, to see Tim Brickus emerge from a side door, beckoning to us in welcome. There were already a handful of young men and women stamping about in the cold outside the front entrance of the venue. They waved to us cheerfully as we skirted the building and entered round the back, accompanied once again by that sewagey, cabbagey smell. Inside, everyone was busily preparing for sound check. I shook hands with Alan Parker, who seemed mutually pleased to see me. Tim and Alan have just returned from America, where they were doing the Pretenders acoustic tour. I told him I'd seen it on the TV, and that it looked and sounded great. I had Chrissy Hind down as a serious songwriting talent, but I'd never thought of her as a great singer. I do now. I wandered backstage to drop my suitcase. The smell of sewage was much worse backstage for some reason. God knows where it was coming from. So I didn't hang around back there. Went out front to say good afternoon to Priv. The hall was done out like a disco, black rubber flooring and neon lights everywhere. Priv seemed happy enough. Said hello to Jeff Hooper, who also seemed relaxed and happy. It was nice to see them all again. I thought I'd go outside and talk to the kids out in the cold. There were four boys and three girls. I invited them in for a drink at the little bar at the rear of the building. 
They seemed like a good bunch, so I gave them after-show passes so that we could have a drink afterwards. I left them in the bar while I went off to soundcheck. For these last few shows, we're using guitar tech Phil Joyner, so I went through my cues with him, telling him when I will need the pink Telecaster. We'd worked together on the Brave Tour, so he remembered much of it. Everything sounded fine. Jeff's capacity to reconstruct exactly the same monitor sound, seemingly from memory with a different system after several weeks off in another part of the world, leaves me awestruck. After soundcheck, we all sat down in an adjoining room to eat. The food wasn't bad, considering it was supplied locally. During the wait to showtime, it became apparent that we weren't generating too much excitement in the area, ticket sales were low, and we were going to be lucky to have 500 people in. Oh well, we would give it our best. As it turned out, the numbers were small, but those present listened carefully and the band played well. Sometimes in these situations, there's a greater element of control achieved in the absence of adrenaline, which makes the songs tighter. I missed the enthusiasm of a bigger crowd, but even though I wasn't singing at my best, I enjoyed playing the songs tonight. After the show, I showered and returned to the bar with the people I'd invited in earlier. I got pleasantly drunk, and after a while, Tim called by to tell me he'd put my suitcase on the crew bus. My guests all sat round me, hanging on my every word as though I was some kind of guru. They must have been drunk too, otherwise they'd have noticed I was slurring and talking rubbish. Talked rubbish until one o'clock in the morning, in between trying on other people's sweaters. I tend to swap chairs and clothes when I'm sloshed, before getting a cab back to the hotel with Ian. And for the second time this week, we're back. Yeah. Um, and I've got a couple of very quick questions uh, about this, and then we'll 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 wrap up and let you go. And what well, I don't know what kind of prep cricketers do. Do you have you got anything smelly you need to rub down with, or uh, you have to do it in some form of contemplation? <laughs> what do you what do you do to centre on on Village Idiots Day? Oh, I've got Lynetta. She's not smelly though. Um, <laughs> I'll probably just, uh, you know, do a bit of meditation, mm. um, watch a few, you know, a, a, a few classic cricket matches from the past. Are you going to watch the Botham, Australia, the Ashes one? Yeah. Channel you're in a Botham. Uh, yeah, and, and um, Gary Sober's Six Sixers. Six Sixers. You know, just to get me into the mood yeah. for the, the inevitable century that I'll score out there on the wicket later. Yeah. Yeah. There's an episode of Doctor Who with Peter Davison playing cricket, which is the one that I think of when I think of you playing cricket, because he's got a kind of pair of stripy trousers. Oh, OK. Um, I might watch a, a Mike Tyson fight as well, just to get into yeah. a sort of the eye yeah. of the tiger. Yeah, one of, some of the Williams sisters, maybe, or... The Andrews sisters? No. <laughs> no the, the Williams? Tennis, the, oh, the tennis. I'm the with tennis, you. yeah. <laughs> Or a bit of Tyson Fury or something. Get you in the moment. <laughs> the Nolans. I might watch... Uh, <laughs> the Nolans. My performance is going to be slightly nearer to the Nolans. <laughs> and, I mean, that's the, that's the reality. 
I can just see you wandering to the crease with I'm in the mood for dancing, piping its way over the village PA. Because Miles has got... Miles, your business partner, can set up set up your joint PA, can't he? Could. He? he could. I could ask him for a couple of Nolan's classics. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be perfect. Uh, I've got Miles. I, I know... I, I know I, I'll, I'll message Miles now and say, Miles, you're going to have to... Get yourself sorted. I don't care if you're at Thought Park. Get yourself back. Yeah, H wants uh, he wants intro music when he goes into the crease. That's yeah. right. Yeah, that would be great, would it? Yeah. Yes, he's channeling a bit of loose women. <laughs> <laughs> Again. So, so back to the diary. <laughs> That's another title. <laughs> So back to the diary. So the one thing that struck me when I was when I was reading it this morning was um, that there were a few a few young people hanging around at the venue early early through the day. So you got chatting, invited them in. They came in pre sound check. You bought them all a drink. They hung around a bit, and you gave them backstage passes. Do you know? I don't remember that at all. Yeah. Um, um, which is, and I have to say, one of the things through the diary you seem to do a lot is you go out and you talk to a lot of, normally pre-show rather than post-show, but you'll see who's mooching about and have a bit of a chat and you'll often buy them a, a drink. Well, if they've been hanging about all day, you know, and especially if it's cold or something like that, um, I feel like we owe them one. Um, it's incredible how people do just stand around all day in the, in the you know, in the weather. Uh, outside shows sometimes, so I usually go and have a chat with them, find out where they've where they're from, and uh, you know, occasionally they've come a long way. I think in the case of uh, that Leipzig show, we'd never played in Leipzig. Uh, we'd hardly or never can't remember, never or hardly played in East Germany. And so I'd got no previous knowledge of, of how many people were going to turn up for the gig, whether there'd be 30 people in there or, or, or 2,000 or, or what, you know. So uh, I thought I'd go out and have a natter, really, introduce uh, myself. And then they hang around afterwards and you, you appear to all get gently sloshed. Yeah. <laughs> Which then takes us to your one of your little foibles at the time of swapping sweaters with people as you got drunk. <laughs> I used to, yeah. Mm. yeah. I don't do that anymore. But I right, okay. <laughs> I used, you know, if there were wear, if, if 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 there was a girl wearing a particularly interesting sweater, sweater like a a kind of stripy pink and green mohair or something like that. Bit by bit, the Sid Barrett part of me had come out. And I, Any chance of wearing that for a bit? You can have this. <laughs> uh, so I would purloin, I would purloin girly sweaters and wear them. You know, once I had a few drinks, right? Just to increase the general sense of festivity in the room. Right? Do you do that? Did do, do you do that with the letter of an evening when you've had um, a gin or two? No, I haven't. I haven't really. No, I don't think there's anything of Lanessa's that I've worn. Because I can't... Uh, now, is that true? I, well, I can't get into her shoes because they're too small. Um, I can't get into most of her stuff, to be honest. Um, right. She wears my stuff now and again. Yeah. Um, only because she's cut. Are you cold? Are you a bit chill? Oh, are you cold? 
go, yeah, it's 23 degrees. I'm bloody <laughs> freezing. Here, have me sweater. <laughs> <laughs> She's from Denmark. I know. I know. But her soul, her soul <laughs> is sub-Saharan. Trust yeah. me. Yeah. Well, look, we'll wrap it up there uh, for 71 uh, and we'll be back with this. I'm looking forward to this epic diary reading next week uh, because I've not read it yet, but if something's five and a half pages long, it's either life-altering in terms of something of absolute beauty or it's a car crash. Yeah, it was a car crash. And I'm hoping it's a car (laughs) crash. (laughs) Because it makes for a great episode. It's a car crash. Right. Well, we'll we'll have a big car crash then, <laughs> 72. Uh, and we've teed that up now. Uh, and and I suppose I'll see you next time then. Well, it's more of a train crash, actually. <laughs> but, uh, it's a wreck. Let's, yes, it's a train wreck. Okay, well, I'll, I'll, I'll yes, I'll see you next time for, you next time. For, 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 for memoirs of a train wreck. Yes. Yes, good. Do you have tea at the village cricket, by the way? Do they, do, is it all proper? Do you stop for tea? Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, all the ladies of the village um, make savouries and tarts and whatever. In fact, I got the team list the, um, the other day by email from, from Karen, who's organising it this year, and next to each name um, there's a word that says sweet or savoury. And I'm savoury, obviously, um, which means that my wife has to bring a, bring savoury to the cricket tea. Right. So she's, you know, she's bringing sausage rolls and scotch eggs and right. a bit of quiche, I think. And right. so there'll be masses of food um, yeah. at half time. And Is it, are you one of those... Posh villagers, or that will it be a lot of beige? Beige, what food? Yeah, what hummus? Well, no, no, because they often say about a buffet. So if it's sausage rolls and quiche and what have you, people often say, "Oh, it was a lot of beige." Oh, I see. Um, as opposed to what? What do what do working well, class I, I, I don't know if like you were doing sort of highfalutin rainbow salads and day glow food. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah, I don't think Deglo is the right term. <laughs> Salad cream. <laughs> well, no, I was just thinking more, you know, your traditional your traditional buffet will often be sandwiches and a bit of quiche and a bit of a sausage roll, as opposed to going a little bit more, oh, uh, yeah. maybe going slightly less Morrisons and slightly more Waitrose. Oh, it will definitely be slightly more Waitrose in, right. in our village, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of money in our village, awful right. lot of money. Um can't move for bloody Range Rovers. Right. Oh. <laughs> so it, if it is a sausage roll, then it's a it's a, a you know a something and something sausage roll. Well, Lynetta made sausage rolls uh, for a bit of a picnic we had in the village just the other day, and uh, she got the sausage meat from the farm shop just up the road, mm-hmm. and uh, put um, chutney in with them. Yeah. And a bit of just just roll from Tesco's, right. you know the the buff yes. paste. Well, no, nobody makes their own pastry anymore. N- not if they've got any sense. No, puff, why would puff you? pastries a week's work? Takes oh, yeah, nearly as you? long as my cream pastry. Full stop. And if you got warm hand, warm hands, you you jaffed it. Yes, 
Well, I've heard that said. There's another good title. Mm. There's the another episode. title for the podcast. <laughs> so, um, pornographer. And we ignored the inevitable teabagging joke. So, I mean, grief is. Don't even look that up, people. It's it's, it's disgusting. Absolutely. Even I think that's disgusting. Yes. I'd draw the line at that on stage at the Zenith. <laughs> Absolutely fine in Hartlepool, though. <laughs> Where were we? Oh, yeah, the, the uh, cricket match. Yeah, so, uh, yes, I'm savoury. You're all savoury, right. I'm pleased to meet you. Indeed. We'll leave it there. We'll leave it there. Uh, <laughs> right, we'll enjoy. I won't, but thanks. <laughs> it's okay. I look forward to seeing you all bruised next week. Blackout just be going down. Yes, it will. It will. I'm hoping I'm out of hospital. We can always do it from the ward. Yes, indeed. <laughs> it's only a matter of time. <laughs> I'll see if grapes are on offer. <laughs> oh, no, no, I won't go there. Right. Uh, I'll see you soon. I'll see you soon. Yeah. Take care. Stay purple, folks. I will be. <laughs> Leave the bureau in the snow Catch a tram to Uncle Poe Early evening ring around the moon Slipping past the concierge By the bikes and up the stairs Snap the latch and creep into the room You throw off your coat Butter some toast Put a coffee on Lie down on the bed Lay back your head Smoke a cigarette And listen to the radio Listen to the radio Thank you, Helen Weatherly, for subscribing to TCD. You're the only one this week, it's true. Thanks to all the purple folk and the ones who are flat broke. Can't believe next week is 72. So throw a few coat, butter some toast. And make a cup of tea Put your cans on your head Lie down on the bed With TCD It's better than the radio It's better than the radio
Thanks for listening to the Corona Diaries. It featured Steve Hogarth with the insights and me, Ant Short, with the questions. If you enjoyed the podcast, please consider subscribing and maybe leaving a review as this will help others find it. You could even share with other like-minded souls, should the mood take you. This has been an A Short Stories production. <laughs>